welcome to episode 53 of the Knit Actually podcast. My name is Becky, and I'll be your host. Today's segments include Actually Finished, Actually Working, Actually Stashed, several reviews, um, Actually Attending, and an update on some giveaways. So welcome, guys. Um, I want to jump right in with Actually Finished, and I don't have any completely finished objects, but I have some pretty good progress on a couple of things that are modular, so I figured I would lump them into this section. So the first thing is I finished my second hexagon on my Persian Dreams blanket. Um, So if you are following along, I was going to do one of these a week. We are like seven weeks into the year and I've done two, (laughs) But, um, but I love it. It's a really, really, really fun knit. So Um, The first hexagon that I finished, oh, I'm knitting this out of um, the Hedgehog Fibers minis that I bought myself for my birthday. Um, Those are the colors for the color work, and then the gray in the background is a gray, fingering weight gray that I hand dyed for myself. Um, And so the first one I did was, there are six different um, patterns that you knit in color work, 26 hexagons total. And um, I knit number one, which kind of sits in the middle. And then the second one that I did, I knit number four. And the good news about that is when you knit number four, those are on the edge. And so I had to practice or knitting the border. Now the border as written is a very pretty moss stitch border. And it's like kind of a, what I would call like a two stitch moss stitch, um, which was too much for my brain. Like I was like, I'm going to work really hard on this color work. And then when I get to the border, I'm going to want to like just fly. So I decided I'm just going to do the border and garter stitch. Um, but it was good to kind of figure all that out and see how big they turn out and everything. So that one is um, blocked and finished and ready to go. You guys may notice me drinking a lot during this one because um, I'm on a juice cleanse and I'm behind on my juices today. So I'm trying to catch up while I talk to you. Um, so I started the third one and, um, I don't remember which number. It doesn't probably really matter because if, unless you're also knitting the blanket, but, um, the next one that I did, so the first one was very like multicolor. Um, the second one was primarily blues, a little bit of green. This one starts out at least in the middle. I've been doing red and pink and the red that I'm using is Hedgehog's Fibers Merlot, which is a really rich vibrant kind of primary color red and then the pink is called sorry not sorry and I love it it's just wow like hot pink so it's coming along really nicely I have not worked on it much this week I went to New York City for the week um and I'll tell you guys about that kind of throughout the podcast I guess a little bit but um I brought it with me thinking that I would work on it in my room at night and then um and then I just didn't and so (laughs) I'm probably gonna um bring the next hexagon with me um, to Stitches next week and maybe work on it in my room on Friday night. I'm just there overnight. So um, how much yarn will I pack for a 24-hour trip to San Jose? That is the real question. Um, So the other thing that I worked on quite a bit before my trip was um, I've been working on the hexagons um, for the Polygon Blanket by Tin Can Knits. Um, which is from the Mad Color book that I reviewed in the last episode. And I'm knitting this out of uh, Knit Picks The Mighty Stitch, which is their um, 80% acrylic, 20% wool um, worsted weight. And this is for my cousin's 
baby who's due in the summer. And so I'm doing this in kind of a rainbow of um, jewel tone colors. I do... I do have continuing self-doubt about maybe wishing that I had done it in the neon. So somebody else in my family is just going to need to have a baby <laughs> so that I can make one of these in neon colors. Because I, I do think it's going to be gorgeous. Um, and But then sometimes I wish it was neon gorgeous. Um, but anyways, I'm knitting it, that up. I The size I'm going to do, I will have to do, I think it's 50 full hexagons and 10, 7 or 10 half hexagons. Um and I'm at 12. I didn't bring it on my trip, so um, it hasn't gotten any work in a couple of days, but it definitely has gotten quite a bit of work since I talked to you guys last. And so um, so those are coming along. Actually working. So I don't have a ton to talk about in terms of things that I am working on this week, but um, I have been making a lot of progress on my Find Your Fade shawl. Um, so this is a super popular pattern um, by Andrea Mowry. Um, and a lot of people are doing it. And a lot of dyers were having a lot of fun when the pattern was released back in January with kind of um, coming up with groups of colors for people to um, use. So this is a really large shawl that is designed to use, um, in the, as written, it uses seven different colors of fingering weight yarn. Um, I am going to knit mine with four colors of fingering weight yarn, and I just started section eight of 13 today. So I'm getting there. Um, I am using my Gail's Art Sparkle Sock Blank, um, which I'm very excited about. The one that I got is very much jewel tones, um, turquoise, uh, and kind of a berry color. There's a little bit of chartreuse in here. There's kind of a gold, and there's a, a more of a regular green um, and then some dark purple, um, with the stenciling. So it's one of her stenciled stock, sock blanks. Um, and I did one small section in that and I'm, I'm about to, well, the next, that'll be the next yarn that I use, I think, in terms of what I want for the way the colors are going to flow. I really want to make sure that I use up every last speck of my sock blank because I love it so much. So um, so I'm going to try to get creative a little bit with how I use the yarn there. And then I have some Nerd Girl yarns in a base called Bounce and Stomp. And this was one of the yarns that I got myself um, sort of through my progressive sets of coupons and freebies with Eat Sleep Nip over the holidays. Um, and it's a beautiful gray with tones of blue. Um, I wouldn't call it turquoise, but but it's a really nice blue that kind of picks up the fact that there's blue in the other section. So instead of it just being a solid gray, it's a very tonal gray. There's um, very much some light and dark um, in it, and I think it looks really good. That was the second one I used. And then I had some sunshine yarns um, in a, oh gosh, in, in a turquoise color that I'm forgetting the name of the colorway, but I bought this at uh, Fingerplay Knits, which is local to me, um, and Sunshine Knits is a local dyer here in Boulder. Um, I bought this during Yarn Along the Rockies, and it's it looks really good um, in the shawl. It's really, really pretty. Um, and then the next one that I'm on right now is a Madeline Tosh sock. This is another one of the, the freebies that I got from Eat Sleep Knit, or cheapies anyways, from Eat Sleep Knit, and this is, um, the colorway is called Esoteric, 
Oh gosh, maybe I have the colorway of Sunshine Yarns here. No, the Nerd Girl is called Davros. Um, and then my sock blanket just says Extreme. Let me see, I do have these in my bag. There's my paper badge from my office this week. Nope, it doesn't look like I have the one for Sunshine Yarns, which is a bummer. Um, but anyways, the, um, the Madeline Tosh is called Esoteric. And so it's a turquoise that then has sort of gray, um, you know, kind of, I don't know if you'd call it over-dyed, but it's like a, a variegated. And so it's just sort of one step richer and darker than the, um, the sunshine yarns. And so I think they look really pretty. And I did put them next to each other. So that one, you know, some of the other sections where you start to do the striping, it looks very striped. This looks um, less... So, because it kind of just goes light, dark, light, dark, and it's really, really, really pretty. So, the goal here, and again, I know this is unrealistic, but the goal here is to wear to stitches. Today is Saturday. I fly on Friday. <laughs> um, I'm actually not on section eight. I just realized I'm on section seven of 13. So, um... And actually, I can look and tell you how much yardage I have left if, I, if I'm smart. Let's see. So I just, yeah, I have 800 more yards of yarn to knit on this. So I'm not going to get it done by Thursday. So I can block it and wear it on Friday and have it dry. Um, but it's fun to dream. <laughs> I would love to wear it to um, stitches. And I feel like that's my big um, question at the moment is like, what am I going to wear to stitches? Um, cause it's, it's going to be warm there. It's actually going to be warmer here in Colorado than in San Jose, um, according to the forecast. But, um, I think I'm probably going to go jeans, t-shirt, shawl, um, rather than trying to wear sweaters. Although I may wear one of my lightweight sweaters. So we'll see. There's, there's time still. I'm trying really hard not to like go crazy or overpack. I am going to bring a suitcase, like a wheeling suitcase so that I have room to pack yarn, um, and I'm flying Southwest, so I can do that for free. Um, but anyways, I'm getting really excited for stitches. Um, and this is coming along really nicely. It's a really fun knit. Um, I was, I just got to the section where, um, where the de the increases stop and the, and I had been trying to figure out a little bit of the construction of it. And now today, um, when we were at basketball, that kind of snapped into my head, like, oh, yes, this is how this will work. So um, it's very, very, um, you know, you don't have to think about it very much. Um, the lace sections, uh, I have to check the pattern every time and just make sure I'm right in terms of what they want me to do with the stitch counts. But then from there, it's very, like, it's very repetitive. And in between that, it's just garter. So um, so it's a really nice... Um, simple knit. I knit this all the way on the plane to New York. I knit it. I actually flew into Connecticut and took the train into New York. New York, I just said. Um, and I knit it on the train and I knit it on the plane home and, um, a little bit, a cup, maybe one of the nights in my room, but I, I just didn't knit in my room as much as I thought I was going to. So I, um, I was there Sunday through Wednesday. I flew home Wednesday night. Um, and, the mon Sunday night I just kind of settled in. That was the night that I did some knitting and some yoga and things like that in my room. And then Monday night I had dinner with the people that I was there to see. And then Tuesday night they were all going to dinner again. And I said, nope, I'm going to a show. 
and so I had the most fun evening in New York City. So I, my office is in, not my office, the office that I was there to visit is in um, Greenwich Village, and um, that's where I was staying. I stayed at the Standard East Village, which is a beautiful hotel, um, which they give you, this is a goofy thing that I did both times I've stayed there, um, they give you these big uh, canvas drawstring bags for um, if you had dry cleaning and so I keep them and use them as project bags <laughs> so that's what my Persian Dreams blanket all the gray is now living in a laundry bag from the standard hotel um but anyways I worked until about six um and then I jumped in a cab and I knew the show I wanted to see was at seven thirty. So I jumped in a cab to get to Times Square. I totally should have taken the subway because the, the cab took forever because of the traffic that time of day. Trying to get in and out of Times Square was crazy. Um, but I got there at 6.30, dashed down to the, the tickets booth under the stairs in Times Square, and I wanted to see Waitress, um, which is based on a movie um, that came out, I think, in 2007 with Carrie Russell, and it's a very sweet movie that I've seen several times. It has Nathan Fillion... And it's it's really sweet. So that was the one I wanted to see. And and um, got tickets, no problem. Eighth row, very inexpensive, last-minute ticket. Um, and then I kind of had it in my head that the other thing I was going to try to squeeze in while I was there was to go to Mood Fabrics from Project Runway. And so I was at 47th Street. That's where the play was. And it was 6.30, and Mood is at... 37th Street. It was probably after 6. It was probably 6.40. And I was like, forget it. I'm going to try. I'm just going to try to see if I can get down there before they close at 7 o'clock. So I just hauled by all, like 10 blocks through the city, got to Mood. It's hard to find. Um, it's on this little, like, 37th. It's all these little fabric places. But Mood's actually the third on the third floor of a building. So there's, like, Mood... Um, in, like mood home or something like interior fabrics and that's on the street level but then you have to go a couple doors up and go into the lobby and take an elevator and um it was dark and I wasn't convinced like my phone had died I wasn't convinced I went the right way left or right to go on 37th so thankfully I did got in there pretty much just as they were closing so I didn't get to like wander around explore but I was there which made me happy I will definitely go back if I have to take another trip um but I got a little t-shirt that said, thank you, Mood, like Tim Gunn always says, thank you, Mood. So that was my, and then I rushed back to the play. So um, then I got in my seat, and I'm chatting with the lady next to me, and directly across the aisle from me sits Jesse Jackson. And then I was having this, like, I'm probably imagining that there's a world-famous civil rights icon sitting across the aisle from me at this play, right? I That can't be what's happening. <laughs> so I Googled pictures of him. And then I was like, well, that sure looks like him. And I was like, I know, I'll Google a picture of his wife. And if that's what his wife looks like, because she had very, um, very um, beautiful hair and very distinctive, beautiful features. And so I was like, if, if that's her, then I'll know for sure. And it was. And so that was pretty exciting. I was too shy to say hello. Or people were getting pictures and stuff. And I thought, I'm just going to leave them alone and let them enjoy their evening. But that was my, my big New York you know, moment, I guess. That's what everybody at the office was saying. Oh, you had a New York moment. Um, and then Waitress, you guys, was amazing. It was such a good show. So I have seen a number of, you know, traveling productions of Broadway shows here in Denver. Um, but I've never been to a show on Broadway before. 
And it was a very different experience because I felt like the audience was so engaged and so enthusiastic and people really like cheered and like, woo! And at the end of every song and um, the show was really, really funny and cute with kind of a serious undercurrent. And then at the end, I just... I literally like wept like and there were just women on either side of me and we were all just like in tears at the end of the show. It was beautiful. And I went home to the hotel and I immediately bought the soundtrack, which is great and really fun. The song that I loved the most is a song called She Used to Be Mine. It's beautiful, like aching, beautiful. And Sarah Bareilles did all of the music and um and it's a, an entirely female creative team, which I think is the first time on Broadway. And the actress that, Jesse Mueller, I think her name is, the actress that's the lead um, is only there through March, and she won the Tony. So it was a whole thing, and I had a ton of fun. And then I, like, went and bought the kids some souvenirs and grabbed a cab back to my hotel and got a piece of pizza the size of my head at 1030 at night and sat in my room in the city eating pizza and drinking rosé, and it's kind of fantastic. So, um, anyways, that's that's why I didn't do much knitting, because I was having a, a super cool adventure in New York, and it was great. Um, so that's all I have on my needles to tell you guys about this time. Actually stashed. So I am definitely on a no stash till stitches. Uh, policy at the moment, but I got some beautiful review yarn before I left on my trip, and I wanted to just talk to you guys a little bit about it now, and then I'll talk in the review section about what I what I plan to do with this yarn. Um, and so I got a skein of Manostil Uruguay Milo. Um, this is a new blend from Manostil Uruguay, and it is a merino linen blend, 65% merino, 35% linen, it is 380 yards and 100 grand skein, and it's a fingering weight yarn. And um, Manosil Uruguay, I've knit with their stuff before. I believe that the, um, the U.S. distributor is Fairmont Fibers. If that's wrong, I'll fix it in the show notes. Um, but they have kind of a social mission, which I think is really fantastic. So um, it says Manosil Uruguay, the Hands of Uruguay, is a nonprofit organization which assembles women in cooperatives throughout the countryside of Uruguay. The aim of the organization is to bring economic and social opportunities to rural women. And then the cool thing is that, like, inside the skin of yarn, it has the location where it was and the artisan who, um, who I suppose, dyed the yarn. Um, and so the colorway that I got is Potosi. I'm probably butchering that. It is um, P-O-T-O-S-I. And it's a beautiful gray. It's definitely a gray that, um, you know, I always think of grays as kind of either like leaning brown or leaning blue. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but, you know, from a color wheel perspective. And it's very, very pretty. Um, the linen content, I think it's a higher linen content than anything that I um, have knit with before. I have used like Madeline Tosh Dandelion, which I'm pretty sure is a linen bl blend. Um, this is a higher linen content than that, I think, but it's really pretty. Um, it's very, very soft. It is, um, a singles, um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a singles. It's not applied yarn. And I have another singles that I'm going to combine it with. And, 
um, and turn into a project. So I'll talk about that a little bit more in the review section. Um, but I just wanted to give you guys a little intro to that yarn. I really do think that the, um, the social aspects of, of the Man of Steel Uruguay is, you know, something that makes it special and it's always beautiful yarn. Um, and so that's it more to come on this in, in subsequent episodes. And with that, you guys, I'm going to jump into the review segment. Um, the first review that I have today is a book review, um, from a book that I received from Interweave, Interweave. Um, and I had reached out to them when I had seen some preview information about this book. So it's called Dying to Knit and to Spin and Knit, sorry, Techniques and Tips to Make Custom Hand-Dyed Yarns. And it's by Felicia Lowe, who is the founder of Sweet Georgia Yarns. And I am a big fan of um, Sweet Georgia Yarns. They carry them in the Longmont Yarn Shop. And um, and so I, they're pretty pretty readily accessible to me. Um, this book retails for $26.99 U.S., $33.99 Canadian. And I was so excited. So this book showed up in the mail um, the morning that I was leaving on my trip. So I was, like, really um, hoping that I would have it to read on the plane and stuff. And then whoosh, magically, literally as I was walking out the door. So I'm just going to walk you through a little bit of this. She has a really beautiful... Um, introduction, and she has kind of different things about color. So she talks about how color is power, and color is uplifting, and color is healing. And I don't know, I really liked that. And then there's a really nice chapter on understanding color, and um, color wheels, and the difference between hue, and saturation, and value, and temperature. Um, And she gives some pretty good examples. Like there's an example here of um, saturation and she has magenta with gray um, and it shows how it it's desaturated um, and appears less vivid the more gray you add and then um, she's got value which has adding white or adding black to the magenta and what that does in terms of lighter and darker shades so really kind of interesting um, color theory stuff she talks about color harmonies um, and she talks about the difference between the CMY and RYB um, colors, and that was new to me. Like, I've heard, seen those terms and things, but I didn't really understand it, um, and so that was a really nice nice thing. And then she talks about kind of color themes. So there's a whole nice section here on um, color, and then it talks about, you know, Color affecting your mood and your thoughts and other people's thoughts. Um, so I really, I really thought all of that about that was was pretty interesting. Then she gets into creating color, um, and she has a section on natural dyes, synthetic dyes, um, cellulose fibers versus protein fibers, and she talks through the um, the dyes that she uses in. Um, in the book. So she uses Lanaset dyes and Washfast acid dyes. And these were not um, necessarily, I don't think, the brands that I've used, unless this is a, a generic or technical term for the, like the Jacquard or the Dharma trading dyes, which is what I play around with. Um, 
So pretty fun. Um, and she does, she talks about Kool-Aid and Rit dye and, you know, all different kinds of things that you can use. What you need to set up a studio. She's got a nice section on, um, on safety and things like that. Um, she talks about the best thing to use in terms of pots, which I still just use pots that I bought at the Salvation Army. Um, but you know that maybe that can't, that could be not great um, at, for your wool. Um, yeah, so kind of just interesting stuff about you know how to um, create solutions. You know, tying and prepping your yarn. So that's pretty interesting. Um, and some of this is similar to the um, Craftsy class that I reviewed with um, Sarah Ayer. That was that um, professional yarn dyeing at home. And then she talks about acid. Um, she definitely has a great um, section here that talks about like things like, you know, when did you wet the yarn? Did you put the yarn into the pot wet? Or did you put the pot yarn into the pot dry? And what does that look like? Um, things like when you add, when do you add the acid or when do you apply the heat, um, and like what that does differently. So, so this says, you know, getting this, that hand-eyed look and it talks about skipping the pre-soak, um, to get more of a, um, a hand-dyed look and then when to, to add the acid. So this is really interesting. She's got a swatch here, um, where you, she didn't add the acid until after, the yarn and the dye were heated together, and then um, that that would, um, let's see. So if you want level even dyeing, add the acid after the dye and the yarn have had time to soak and heat up together. For a tonal look, experiment with pre-soaking the yarn in acid water, which is what I always do. We're adding the acid to the dye pot before the yarn and dye are introduced. So I thought that was really interesting because that's, that's what I always do. It's probably what I read in another book. Um, so I liked the idea of like kind of allowing you to play with that a little bit. That'll probably stretch me out of my comfort zone a little bit. And then, you know, she talks about layering dye colors. So she's got swatches here. One that is physical mixing where she mixed a blue and a yellow together. And then optical mixing where she layered a yellow and a blue. And so she's got these two gorgeous um, tealish greens. Um, but one is very much um, that beautiful layered look, and the other is more of a tonal. Um, and then she talks about the difference in fibers. Um, she shows low water immersion dyeing, you know, which is kind of that um, cool variegated look. Um, and then she's got um, things about fiber too, and kind of hand painting fiber. She does a nice section on self-striping, which is pretty cool. Um, and um, it's kind of neat because she um, she talks about, you know, knitting a swatch and how many, sti how many inches then per round so that she knows how long to make her loops and things like that. So that's pretty good. Um, they talk about, you know, using chairs. I've done that. Using a warping board. I've definitely done that too. Making a sock winding board you could do with plywood and long nails. So that's kind of a cool idea too. Um, 
So that's cool. Self-striping is not, not um, for the faint of heart, right, because it's pretty labor-intensive, but she breaks down the steps, which is kind of cool. And then she's got, you know, for dye ingredients um, and sock blanks and things like that, and then resist techniques, um, dyeing in a ball, which I have played around with, and this was another one where she talked about adding the acid, you know, when to add the acid. So I had done a bunch of that when I was first playing around with dyeing where I would cake the yarn, and then, um, and then put it in and I have some, and I made cowls for my whole family and they're kind of gradients. I actually wore one of them myself the other day and it was very much blue and then it gets to white. And then I would, I would take that and, um, skein it back up and then wind it into a ball again and do the other side, which was kind of cool. Um, but if you do, she talks about if you put in acid at the beginning, well then you'll get mostly color on the outside, but that you could, um, do that um, and put the acid in after the yarn has already been in the dye pot for a while, and then it will strike a little more consistently, but like this has a, a lot of beautiful white on this skein that she did. And the cat is here. Hello, Nugget. So you guys might hear her. Um, and so then she talks about sort of like problems and keeping a dyeing journal. Um, then there's a whole section on spinning which I'm not a spinner, so I'm not going to get into a lot of detail, but she does, she must sell um, hand-dyed fiber as well. And honestly, the results here, some of them are quite beautiful, but I, I wouldn't be able to speak with any sort of um, expertise on um, on the spinning sections. I will tell you that it's um, almost 30 pages of content, though, on how to spin with color. And then she's got patterns, which are great. And so she talks a little bit about um, the effect of the weight of your yarn and your color sequences. She knits um, one yarn up at three different gauges. So using a US1, US2, and US4 to kind of show what that does to the way that the color pools. Um, she does different things in stockinette garter and linen stitch to show you what a, what a yarn would look like. And then she's got some really cool things about you know, how to maximize your pooling. Um, and, oh, and there's an online tool called plannedpooling.com. So, so that was kind of neat because she talks about knitting 100 stitches and then kind of counting, you know, how many of each color she got. Um, and then you can plan how it will pool. Um, she talks a lot about, like, using things held doubled, and she shows some cool examples just of how, you know, different variegated yarns knit up either with different stitch patterns or um, taking a variegated yarn and then holding it with um, a second strand of something similar or, um, or striping it with um, different contrasting or complementary colors. So that's kind of cool. And then there are a bunch of patterns. So... There's a shawl, beautiful shawl, called the Amplify shawl. Very similar, frankly, to Find Your Fade. It's a, it's a garter, um, then, then lace. Um, it's a little bit hard to see, honestly, the shape of this finished shawl. But the yarn she's got it done is, is really pretty. Um, and then there's a beautiful blanket, um, just a garter stitch blanket. But I think the idea there is just kind of color harmony and holding different yarns together um, for a really pretty effect. This is one that I loved. So um, she has this twig and twine infinity cowl. And 
she takes this one and uh, she holds nine strands of yarn. So two ends of four different skeins. And then she says, plus one more skein of fuzzy, lightweight mohair silk for added warmth and texture. Maybe I wouldn't do that. But basically, eight, eight or nine strands of fingering or lace weight yarn held together to then um, make like a bulky weight cowl. And then I think she just, um, yeah, it's, then it's just a garter, I think. But it's really, really pretty. And I thought, oh gosh, I never would have thought of that. Um, and I wonder how much she needed of each. She t talks about one skein of each, but I'm just not convinced that she, she would have used quite that much yarn. Maybe she did. Anyways, I thought it was really pretty. Um, and the one she's got here is, it's like all pinks and purples and a little bit of orange. So just kind of that fun idea of watching how those colors play together was kind of cool. There's a pair of socks. Those look pretty generic. There's a sh another shawl here. Um, that I believe she knit with one of the hand spuns. Yep, hand spuns from the spinning chapter. Then there's this gorgeous um, vineyard lace shawl where she really does try, somehow manages to get a variegated yarn to pool so that it's light. This shawl is light on the edges and dark in the middle. Um, and th this is her colorway called Cherry Blossom. And so that was really interesting because I've never seen anything quite like that um, before. Um, there's a summer garden pie shawl. This is another one where the way that the color works out, um, it's dark blue in the middle, goes to like a teal and then a green and then finally a yellow. And this was hand spun. So I think the idea here is that, you know, she used the... Um, she spun this herself to create a, a beautiful gradient. Um, so that's pretty good. So some of them use the hand spun. Um, there's a nice willow leaf scarf that uses a gradient. And then there was a really pretty shawl that I think is the last one. Yep. The Shady Island Gradient Shawl. And this one was very pretty because it really is um, used. Sweet Georgia, you'll see those little mini skein sets. And um, so she used this one in, um, it's birch, and which is a white, I guess. Sapphire is another color that she did just um, one whole skein of. And then um, this one is basil fern, evergreen, and salt air. So they're kind of greens heading to turquoise, and then she does a blue. And it's really pretty. I was tempted, this might be something, I have a really nice gradient set from neighborhood fiber company, and I could certainly be convinced that this is what it wants to grow up to be. So I wholeheartedly recommend the book. Um, I'm very excited because I've been working with the woman at Interweave, and Felicia's actually going to come and guest on the podcast. So I thought what would be fun, um, I'm supposed to be getting them interview questions, but I'm going to open a thread in the Ravelry group, and I would love to hear... Um, what questions you guys have for an experienced dyer. I know we've had, you know, Renee from Nerd and Jonathan from MJ on the podcast before, um, but that's usually a little more spontaneous, and those are people that I know. So I'm really curious what you guys would like to um, ask Felicia, and if you have a chance, just pop into the Ravelry group and let me know what you'd like to hear about. Um, and Interweave gave me a copy of the book 
to give away to you guys. And so I am going to open a thread in the Ravelry group um, for that as well. Um, and I would love to hear which of the things you're most interested in. Is it the dyeing techniques, the spinning techniques, or, you know, the creative ways to use hand-dyed yarn? Um, you know, which of those things is most interesting to you guys of the book? Um, and I'm going to leave that open, um, a little bit open-ended, since I don't know exactly when um, when she's going to come on the show. Um, I'll leave it open until she does. And probably sort of two weeks after, whenever that is. My guess is that means that the thread will be open until sometime in April, because I'm hoping to interview her when I'm back from Stitches, and probably drop the episode um, when the kids and I are in Hawaii. So, anyways... Big thumbs up for this book. It was really interesting. It was great company on my trip and on the plane. And um, I am looking forward to doing a little bit more with this one with you guys soon. Okay, guys. So I had two more things that I um, that I wanted to talk about um, in terms of reviews today. And these are just things that were released this week that I'm very excited about. Um, and... Uh, the reviews, I haven't purchased either of these things yet, so the reviews will be based on what I see on Ravelry, but um, I was pretty excited, so I wanted to talk about them. And the first one is Interpretations 4. So this is the fourth book by um, Hohi Locatelli and Vera Valamaki, and so um, in the Interpretations books, they pick six words. This time it's Gather, Chromatic, Magic, Fragile, Direction, and Hidden. And then they each design a piece. Um, and so there's 12 patterns in all. And again, you know, as always, they're amazing. I'm just going to talk about the ones that I'm most excited about. My plan is um, when I bought Interpretations 3, I bought the download. And I was bummed that I didn't have the paper copy of the book. And I think I ended up buying the paper copy of the book anyways. So this time I'm going to try to be, or maybe it's two that I have a paper book of. Anyways. I'm hoping that I can get my hands on a copy at Stitches, or I might try to get in touch with my sister Nitz and see if I can manage to get a copy from them. Um, but I'm going to just talk about the ones I'm most excited about, and then um, when I get a physical copy of the book, then I'll probably um, do an even deeper review. But there are a couple here that I really love. Um, the first one is by Hohi, and this one is called Easter West. And so it's another you know, somewhat boxy sweater, um, this one is fingering weight yarn and it's done in three colors. Hers is like a dark gray, a light gray, and then a, a neon pink. It's really pretty. Um, and it's got interesting construction, I think similar to the true friend by Vera that I just finished that I wear all the time. Like I almost like wear it too much. Um, and so it's, um, it's a very boxy shape with, with fitted sleeves and then down the front, like, you can tell, looking at this, because they're kind of continuous stripes, down the front they look like vertical stripes, and then on your arms they become horizontal stripes. Um, I'm really excited to see, like, exactly the construction of that. That's one of the things that I love about um, both of their stuff, is that they really they really do interesting things with construction. So that one, I, I really believe I'm going to shop for some yarn at Stitches to knit this sweater, because I think it'll be really fun. And I do think I will do a dark gray, a light gray, and some sort of pop, but I'm not sure what my pop color will be. Maybe it'll be pink. Um, maybe it won't. The other one that I really love is um, Fast Forward, and so this is a Vera, Vera Valimaki one. Very um, 
very much my aesthetic, right? So it's this, um, it's stripes, very loose fitting, um, and it looks like hers is either like a navy blue or a black with a hot pink stripe. Um, I have a lot of fingering weight yarn in my stash, so I'm hoping that maybe I can come up with something that I, um, that I haven't stashed that maybe I could knit this with. It's got a really interesting hemline, too, um, that I, I am very curious about, but it kind of like hangs long on the sides. Anyways, very pretty, very much reminiscent of like breathing space, um, just in terms of the stripes or laneway, which is one that's been in my queue for a while. I actually have yarn picked out for that one. Um, so that's one I definitely want to knit. And then Vera has a shawl that's called Flyaway Twist. And so this is what I'm going to use the Manostel Uruguay to do. So I have um, a single, and it's it's Madeline Tosh, Toshmill Light, and the tag was off it when I went to pull it out of my stash. But in preparation for stitches, I went into my knitting room last night and I spent some quality time with my stash, really thinking about, like, okay, so what are the things that I um, that I might want to buy at stitches and... Um, and being thoughtful about purchases. So this is beautiful skein. I think it's I think it's at least three years old. I think it's maybe exactly three years old. I have this beautiful skein of um, of Tosh Merino light because I remember buying it, and then the skein I bought with it I brought with me on a ski trip with my family. Isn't that funny how you have memories of your yarn? But it's a beautiful kind of chartreuse and gold and yellow, um, and I think it'll look really pretty. This. Um, the shawl is knit by Vera. It's got a gray and then sections of stripes, gray and oranges, and then orange around the border. So I think that would look really pretty in these colors. Um, and if I could finish, well, if I could finish the Find Your Fade, then my thoughts about what I'm bringing to Stitches With Me might be, um, might be this shawl, or I have the Ravello sweater that I really want to get back to. Um, which was a striped pullover I was working on. So we'll see. Anyways, I'm definitely going to knit that one. There's another really pretty striped shawl called Side by Side. That's one by Vera. There's a beautiful sweater by Hohe, which is Radiate. And it's a yoked sweater. And the way that she did it, it's, um, it's pink at the collar. And then down the yoke, it's pink and gray stripes and then a gray body. Do have some gray that I bought not that long ago. So that one is very tempting. I'm kind of excited to see how other people do it too um, in terms of color combinations. Because I feel like, I think it's a DK and I do have quite a bit of DK in my stash that potentially would work for this. And then there's a new cowl. You know, Hokie seems to always do a cowl in these. This one is called the monochrome cowl. And so it's very much looks like the length and shape of the three-color cashmere cowl, or last year I did the four-color cashmere cowl. Um, this one is a monochrome, and so it's just really stitch patterns. It does, maybe it's just that hers drapes differently than mine. Um, I think that my, I think the next time I knit one of these, I will knit it on bigger needles and, and let it drape a little more, because um, I feel like mine end up very turtlenecky, um, and this really drapes really nicely um, on her um, so that would be one that I would definitely consider. And then there's a, another cowl by Vera that is called, uh, tourmaline, 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 um, which is a beautiful cabled cowl. 
And the pictures on this one are so glamorous. Like, she looks so beautiful in these pictures. I was really just taken by that, by how gorgeous the photographs turned out and everything. Um, and then there's a beautiful cabled coat that I that I um, I really like, but I'm not sure I would knit. And that's called Winter Folk. And then there's a Wishes cardigan, but I think this one is lace weight. I'm looking really quickly. No, it's fingering weight. So there is a really pretty, um, simple, um, kind of overlapping fronts cardigan by Hohe, which is which is very very pretty. So rave review for me. I can't wait to get my hands on the book. Like I said, my my goal will be to have a physical copy in my in my hands either when I go to stitches or when I get to stitches, um, and start to look for yarn maybe for a couple of these things. But I do think the one that I really mostly will be shopping for is that Easter West sweater because I really like it. So that one, big fan. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to talk about is um, a collection from Tin Can Knits. And I'm just looking that one up really quickly, you guys. So they did a charity collection um, called Heart, Heart on My Sleeve. Okay, so this next one that I want to talk about is called Heart on My Sleeve, and this is a connection, a collection by Tin Can Knits, and they brought in nine different designers. Um, and so uh, Shannon Cook, Romy Hill, Bristol Ivy, Tannis Lavely, Hohi Locatelli, Alexa Ludbin, which is one of the Tin Can Knits girls, I think, Jane Richmond, Yusolda Teague, and Emily Wessel from Tin Can Knits. And they coordinated this, and then um, they uh, it's a um, project to help fight malaria. So all of these are, um, all of the proceeds, and it's a pretty significant amount of the proceeds, will go to um, a, a fund to fight malaria. And there are some really beautiful patterns. So each of them took kind of their interpretation on Hearts on My Sleeve. So... There's one called Bright Hearts by Romy Hill. Um, my favorite is Crazy Heart. This is the Tannis Lavely one. And it's very much like a yoked sweater with beautiful, vibrant colors in it. Um, and so each of them really just kind of took a, a, the word heart and interpreted it their way and their sweaters. And they are all sized little kids up to um, adults. And so that's, you know, kind of typical for tin can knits that they'll go from itty-bitty sizes to um, to really large adult sizes. I was trying to pull up the Hohe one here so that I could talk about sizing. Yeah, 0 to 6 months up to 4XL. So that's pretty cool. And um, the details are here. So $16.80 of the $18 U.S. purchase price goes to the Against Malaria Foundation, and the other dollar and twenty is just PayPal and Ravelry fees, and so, um, so that's pretty amazing. Um, and they have a link where you can donate more. But I just thought this was a really cool thing, and I'm really super into this whole, you know, um, social advocacy through through knitting um, thing that that is kind of springing up all over our community right now. So I wanted to just give that a shout out and. Um, and encourage people to go check it out. It's a beautiful, beautiful set of sweaters. Actually attending. So the big thing, guys, is that I will be at Stitches West this week. 
Um, can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, it's been a crazy time at work, crazier than usual. And so I'm really looking forward to having just a little bit of a hiatus from real life for a couple of days and go and um, immerse myself in yarn and knitting and, and all of my favorite things. So I fly in early Friday morning and I fly out five o'clock Saturday. So I'll be there really, I'm hoping to be there pretty much most of the day that the market is open on Friday. I think I get in right at 10. I'm hoping to be over to the convention center by about 11. Um, and then Saturday, I think the podcaster meetup is at, um, at one o'clock. I, um, Oh, that was another thing I wanted to say. So I listened both to both the Yarniacs and the Knitmore Girls this week, and um, and they both did incredibly thoughtful reviews of those two books. So the Yarniacs have a great review of Interpretations, and the Knitmores have a really nice review of the Heart of My Sleeve book. Um, but uh, I'm, I believe that the podcast meetup is Saturday at 1, so I will probably be able to go to that as sort of my last hour at Stitches and then take off for the airport, so that'll be fun. So um, I will be there. My friend Jen is not able to come because of a, an exciting family commitment that came up for her, so I will be there on my own. I did find out today that um, Gail, who owns my local yarn shop, is going to be there, so I'm hoping to see her on Friday, and um, yeah, I'll be around. So if you are going and would like to meet up, um, particularly on Friday or early Saturday, just PM me in Ravelry, and um, you know, I would love to catch up with folks. I have been trying to be thoughtful about like my approach and what I want. I have a good budget in my head for what I'm, I'm going to plan to spend, um, and I did go through kind of my whole stash last night and really try to think thoughtfully about what are the types of things that I might want to um, get while I'm there. So there's a lot of places that I'm excited about. I think I'll go through again this week. I had gone through at one point and made a list of sort of my must-sees. Um, and so I think I'm going to just do that again um, this week and kind of mark off the stuff that I want to make sure I definitely see. I know my friend Emily was there last year and she was there for I think every single, like the whole four days and felt like she had a hard time getting through the whole marketplace. So, um, so I want to have my priorities set so that I can get through everything. Um, so that's it for events for right now. Um, I'm missing Interweave Yarn Fest, um, cause the kids and I will be on spring break, but that's a great event if you are local or if you are looking for an event to come to in Colorado. I've had a great time at Interweave Yarn Fest the last two years, um, but it just happens to fall during spring break this year. So the last thing that I wanted to do today, guys, is um, announce the winners of the um, MJ Yarns giveaway. So um, you might recall that Jonathan from MJ Yarns had given me three skeins of his um, new Red Label Yarns to uh, give away to you guys after the interview that I did with him, which I believe is episode 49. If you wanted to go back and listen, we had a lot of fun. Um, and I had opened up a Ravelry thread and asked people to go check out his yarns and tell me which yarn they liked and which um, bases they liked, things like that. Um, overwhelmingly, the colors that you guys responded really nicely to were Jubilee and Shield. Shield is kind of a beautiful, like, grays and gold. It's really pretty. Um, and so 
that was fun to just kind of see what, what resonated with people and which, which were people's favorite. I really enjoyed that a lot. So thank you all for entering. And without further ado, I had um, 20, well, what I did was post number one was my introduction. And then there was a post at the end, like, hey, did we get winners yet? And I replied to that. So the posts in between that I thought were sort of like valid entries were two through 27. So I put in a random number generator and the numbers that came up were 13, 10, and 19. And so I, um, the first two will get the skeins of trillion, which is on, um, the one U base, and then the last one would be Marquee, which is on the Tough Ram base. And so um, entry 13, winning a skein of Trillion on the one U base is Trilinda. Uh, entry number 10, also winning Trillion on the one U base is Ramona Firehorse. And then 19, um, winning Marquee on Tough Ram is Ast. Asteroid. I hope I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, so I'm going to let the episode drop, and then I will reach out to people and then and get addresses. Ramona, I may have yours from a previous contest. Um, I'm almost certain I do, but but I'll send notes and let you guys hear that you won on the podcast because I know that's fun, and then um, try to get packages in the mail um, when I'm back from stitches. I have some other stuff that I am terribly behind on shipping to people. Um, but we'll get all that taken care of. So thank you guys for your enthusiasm about um, the MJ yarn stuff and uh, for your support of Jonathan and his yarns because I'm a big fan, obviously. So um, I think that is it for this time, you guys. So um, as always, if you want to check the show notes, they will be at knitactuallypodcast.com. You can connect with me on... Um, Facebook and Instagram as Knit Actually Podcast or Twitter as just at Knit Actually. Um, and uh, iTunes reviews are always a huge help for the podcast in terms of people's ability to find me. Um, and the Ravelry group continues to grow. So that's a great place to connect as well. And until next time, thank you so much for hanging out and listening and happy knitting. <laughs>